Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Today we're going to continue on in our service and we're going to look at something else today. And before we even get into that, I'd just like to do a quick pre-introduction and look at something here. So in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 18, look at what the Bible says. It says, riches and honor are with me. That's the Lord. That's God speaking. Long-lasting wealth and righteousness. Okay? So when we are connected with God and in relationship with God, we know that, first of all, we have righteousness, which is right standing. And there's nothing better than being in right standing with God. But then also being connected and in relationship with God according to what God says, not me, that there's like long-lasting wealth. And I think it's interesting that it says long-lasting because uh, when you become wealthy in relationship with God, you don't, you won't, it's not like you'll lose it overnight. Sometimes people out that are not in relationship with God, they can have wealth, but even though they have the wealth come they can lose it but when you get wealth in God the Bible says it can be long-lasting so that's that's the best way to get your wealth by having a relationship with God and allowing him to lead and guide you and then notice it says riches and honor and then in Philippians here's another scripture what we just want to do first of all today is just have an encouragement from the Bible that God wants to help us in the area of finances and provision so Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18 it says for I have received everything and I have plenty I have all I need because I received from Epaphroditus what you sent and look at this now it says a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice very pleasing to God and because I like to read and study things about health and and I get all these emails especially it's like sometimes you buy something and then it's like you get barraged with all these emails and it's education a lot of it and, and of course a lot of us trying to sell products but I, I got an email once and it talked about money paper money and coins and you know it's some of the most dirty stuff you can hold and handle because it circulates and so many different people touch it and they and they were saying how many different germs and all this stuff that's on money you know but isn't it interesting though that when we give our money to God from a heart where we love God that then God says about that something that's dirty he said it's a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice very pleasing to God so God can take something like money with all those germs and all that stuff on it and it can be very pleasing and acceptable to him and then I like verse 19 it says my God will supply your every need according to his glory and riches and so before we get into what we want to look at today, just a few scriptures to say that, you know, God wants to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And when we're in relationship with God, he will cause us to increase in the area of uh, finance or material things, okay? So, and then even, even here's a f- further testimony before we look at uh, what we want to look at real quickly. Uh, we have a book that we have at our bookstore here it's called how to be led by the spirit of god and one day i just happened to be in a place where these businessmen were sharing what that book did for them as businessmen and they said there were two main things that they found out who they were in christ they accepted jesus as lord they found out who they were in christ and they learned then how to be led by the spirit of god and they said after doing that 
we found out that God led us into a place of success with our businesses and, and a place where quite few, most of them were quite wealthy and they gave all the glory to God and not did they just give the glory to God, they put, they put their finances into the kingdom of God also. So God, you know, when we're in relationship with them, he wants to lead us and guide us in all the areas of our life, okay? But here's what we want to look at today. And as I said, we'll, we're not going as long as we normally do today. But here's a, here's a question. What can provision do for me? That's a question we want to answer today. What can, we could say, finances, money, you know, and, and of course you're probably immediately thinking, well, it'll pay my bills, it'll pay my mortgage, put food on the table, and yes, it does all those things. But we want to look a little bit deeper today and, say, and answer the question, what can provision do for me? We want to look at other areas of life because we know that it pays bills. We know that it puts food on the table, pays the mortgage, enables us to have a car, put gasoline in the car, pay the insurance for the car, and all those kind of things. We know that. But the other questions are, can it, uh, maybe a bigger realm of questions is, can it make me happy? Can it fulfill me? Can it bring purpose to my life? And so we want to look at some of that today. And, uh, and so looking at it, we want to look at someone who had more wisdom and money than anyone that walked on the earth, uh, at least in the time he was there. So this guy, his name is King Solomon. And there's even movies that they made uh, with King Solomon. And, uh, you know, you always see some of those movies and they, it's what they thought it was like. But let me first give you a real brief synopsis on who he was and what he had. So here's who he was. He, he ruled around 967 B.C. And it's interesting that calendars are set for before Christ and after Christ. So if you don't know that, B.C. is before Christ. So 967 years before Jesus came, this king ruled, and his name was King Solomon. His kingdom was from the Euphrates River uh, north to Egypt, which is in the south, okay? And then Solomon, he was uh, King David's son, and he was also the son of Bathsheba, King David and Bathsheba's son. Solomon was young, but even though he was young when he came into rule, he had a lot of wisdom. And one of the things that Solomon did initially to show how wise that he was is that there was a baby uh, that died, and so one mother took another mother's baby, and in so doing, there was an argument like, whose baby is it? So they went to King Solomon and they went to, and, and they said, the one lady said, she stole my baby. And then the lady said, oh no, she stole my baby. And here's what King Solomon did to show his wisdom. He said, give the baby to us and we're going to cut the baby in half and you can have half each. Well, King Solomon knew that the real mother would not let that happen. So when that was said, the real mother said, no, you can have the baby. And then King Solomon, of course, said, here, here's your baby. And that was simple, but very wise. And that was one of the initial things that he did. So he was a wise man. And then, then what did he have along with wisdom? He had a huge amount of wealth. He controlled the entire region west of the Euphrates and had peace around his borders. So he was a king that ruled and he was able to have peace in his borders there. And then like he owned 12,000 horses with horsemen and 1,400 chariots. So those are the kind of things 
that he had. So remember our questions now. We're asking these questions, you know, what can material things do for me? What can that do? Can it make me happy, fulfill me, bring purpose to my life? Could it, be, could it cause you to be like this man right here? Is that what money could do for all of us? Okay, so make happy, fulfill. So in order to do that, my opinion doesn't really mean a lot, but the Bible means a lot more. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 1. It says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine, and while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting, planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others who were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums, and notice I underlined that, I collected great sums of silver and gold the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. And then look at this, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. And then look at verse 11. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard for to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And so here you have the, the wealthiest man and the man that had more wisdom on the earth. And he makes this like statement that I had anything, I could have everything, I got it, I did not deny myself, and he said it was meaningless, it's like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Remember, we're asking these questions like, what can provision, what does material things, can, what can they provide? They pay bills, they put food on the table and all that, but does it bring fulfillment, purpose, happiness? You know, and that's what we're asking ourselves here today. So I, I know from my personal life that uh, when I was 19 years old, I, you know, I had, well, actually I graduated at the age of 18, and I'll just explain to you how deep of a person I was before I knew Jesus as my Lord. I graduated, and my whole desire was to someday have a penthouse, you know, be single the rest of my life with a penthouse, have the nicest car and the most money available, have a, and, and of course do bodybuilding to have a great body and have as many girlfriends as possible. That's, that's the depth of you that call me pastor. That's, what, that's where I was. Before Jesus. Before Jesus. And just for some of you to be like entertained by this, when I was 19 years old, I'd like to show you the car that I drove. Look at this. I, I bought a brand new car at age 19. It was a Pontiac Grand Prix, or AKA a boat. 
because that was back in the days of the boat cars, you know, big, long. But so, that, yeah, 19, brand new car, you know. Mine had a little bit of a different color roof there, but, you know, and then I, I you know, like I drove that up to the high school that I, I just graduated, and I already have a brand new car. Good job making good money. And the football team was practicing, and the cheerleaders were practicing, and I made sure I drove through there so everyone could see me, okay? <laughs> but... There was, they were doing work there because it was summertime and school was closed and they were just getting ready for football. There was a, a big wooden ladder laying across the parking lot and I didn't see it because I was looking at the cheerleaders and I ran right <laughs> over it. Now, it destroyed it. it. It went into splinters and it made a big noise. I had my window down to make sure they, they could see me, you know. Okay. You know, tinted win windows, you can't see anybody through a tinted window. But, and so I just looked ahead and got out of there as quick as possible thinking I should never go back there again. But as I, I was driving away, I thought, well, what's next? I mean, I, I got out of school, I got a good job, I went to try to impress people with my car, you know, what's next, what, is, what am I on the earth for? Like, why am I on the earth, you know? And so, uh, so you, you know, you have to, uh, people wanna know that, so we wanna talk today really quickly uh, about gratification now and even hereafter. Okay, so even like some, some adjectives that go with gratification, like what brings gratification, satisfaction, pleasure, happiness, fulfillment, contentment? You know, what brings that? And, and here's a little, you know, poster thing here, like, you know, purpose. Why are we here? What am I on the earth for? You know, do, do, you know is it for what? Okay, now going back to our scriptures, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, I also thought about the human condition. How God proves to people that they are like animals. Okay, here's the wise, this is the wisest guy back then talking with all this wisdom. All of this wisdom without relationship with God, he started to get a little bit squirrely in his thinking. And then verse 19, it says, for people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe and both must die. So people have no real advantage over animals. How meaningless. He just didn't know, okay? And then he says, both go to the same place. They came from dust and they returned to dust. And then verse 21, it says, for who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down into the earth? And so what we see here, here's the guy with all the money and all the wisdom, but he was very confused about what happens when you die. Okay, so we, we see uh, with this education, wealth, wisdom, all that, it couldn't, you know, remember our questions, can it fulfill you, make you happy, and all, he doesn't sound real happy, he doesn't sound fulfilled, he could not answer the real questions of life, and he did not know what his purpose on being on the earth was, okay? And then look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 22, look at this verse, it says, so I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. That is why we are here. He's trying to figure out why he's here. And then he says, no one will bring us back from death to enjoy life after we die. The biggest question he did not have an answer for, even though he had all that money and even though he had all that wisdom, he did not have the big answer to the big question. Okay, so as I was preparing for today, the Lord gave me this phrase that he does this sometimes. He'll give me a phrase uh, fresh from heaven. And here's what this phrase is. Uh, it's when someone doesn't know what happens to them after they die, they aren't able to enjoy what they have 
while they're alive. Okay, and this is Solomon. He wasn't really enjoying everything he had while he was alive. And so, you know, and then look what he says there because of all this. Ecclesiastes 4.2, he said, I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. This is, this is where he got, he's, he, you know, he concluded that. Well, that's not quite so unless you are, of course, you die and Jesus is Lord and you get to go up to heaven and spend eternity with him. But he said, I concluded the dead are better off than the living. So here's what we see. Solomon was miserable without a relationship with God. He was miserable without a relationship with God. Okay, so that brings us to closing today. As I said, we're going to have a shorter and briefer message. So I have these four like, things about God, like why God? And there's four things like why would we choose God? Why would we choose God? Why God, number one? Here's a, here's a good reason. Because God said, you need me. Because God said it. That's a good reason. And look at Acts chapter 17 and verse number 24. He said, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. Now look at this. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and satisfies every need. It's really hard to put into words, and all you know that you would have the same difficulty if you put into words what happened in your life after you accepted Jesus as Lord and the difference that it made. But all I know is like with our life, I, I had six brothers, so we had seven boys. I was the second oldest of seven boys, and the one after me, the, the one that was third in line, he uh, somehow... My father got in a bad car accident. He didn't have, it was way long ago when they didn't have seat belts or they didn't enforce seat belts. My brother flew, broke the windshield with his head, and then we grew up in Ohio where there's snow and ice. And then on top of it, shortly after my brother hit some ice on a sidewalk, his feet went like that. He came down and hit the back of the, his head on the sidewalk, concrete. So my brother ended up having grand mal epilepsy seizures. You know, he just fell over at home one one night when we were doing our homework and, and had a seizure, they rushed him to the hospital. It took two weeks to find out what he had. And then he, they put him on 27 pills a day. One of those pills was dialetin. And dialetin, I don't know if they still use it, but it has a tendency to make people a little bit sleepy. You know, so my brother like, was always like, like, even though he was awake, he was kind of sleepy. So, but these grand mal epilepsy is the worst kind. There's different kinds. You don't have a warning when you're going to have a seizure. So you can just fall over like that and no warning. There's other kinds of epilepsy where you know and you can prepare for it. So my brother went to a party uh, at somebody, and they happened to be born-again Christians where he went to a party at a born-again Christian house. But he went, they had a lake in their backyard. He had a seizure, and no one was watching, and he fell into the water, and he drowned. And so this is when he was 21 years old. So I'm, I'm 23, and that's, I accepted Jesus Christ, as a matter of fact, when I was 23 years old. So that's like, you know, my 40 years coming up soon. But, um... Uh, when he died, it was the first time that it brought our family to our knees because we were kind of proud. And it was like, you know, we were brawlers. And like the way that we were growing up, 
I mean, society can't even handle the kind of people we were because it was like in your face. If you don't like this, pum, and ba ba ba, you know, cuss words here and there. That's how I grew up. It's a different world now, you know, but we were, we were like that. And so we got brought to our knees because of the pain that came when my brother died. It was painful. I slept in the same bedroom with him. And now you go, the first night you go in a bedroom and you got somebody not, you know they're never going to be there again. You know, that, that was, and we had, we did not know Jesus as Lord, you know. And so in that time when we wondered, where did he go? Is there life after death? Where is our brother? We wondered that. And God is so good because right when we wondered that, he sent somebody to tell us. And we were, you know, like, we, we, my brother and I, we went, you know, along with the dream I had. We'd already went into business. We found a building that suited our needs, signed a contract. We took out a loan and bought all this equipment for lifting and training, weightlifting equipment. And we had, like, one of those places where we train guys to be bodybuilders and all that kind of stuff. So we were pers- I was pursuing what I thought would make me happy. And this happens. And so right at the place of our business, God sent a French guy. He's a French-American. He didn't speak with a French accent, but his name was Lou Chabou. And Lou Chabou came and shared Jesus with my brother. And my brother listened, and then he, my brother actually got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I thought my brother got into a cult, and I went to rescue my brother. But in rescuing my brother, I got rescued and got saved and accepted Jesus as my Lord. And here's, I said all that to say this, it's really hard to put into words how you don't know why you're on the earth and you're without purpose and you don't really have fulfillment and you don't have any of that stuff. You just wonder, why am I here? What's it all about? And then you accept Jesus as Lord. And the first thing is there's satisfaction. So when we say like, why God? Well, because first of all, God says he doesn't have any needs, but he says we need him. And that's just enough of a reason right there. We need him. Second question, why God? Well, because Jesus said he was the only way. Now, Jesus said, I'm the way. But Jesus said, the reason I'm the way that you need me is that's the only way you can get to God. And like you see that here in John chapter 14 and verse 6. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. There's like that one thing. He said, there's no alternative way. If you want to get to the creator, the one that created everything, the Father God, there's only one way, and that's through me that is what Jesus said. So why God? Well, because, you know, he's the only thing that can satisfy, and the only way to get there is through him is through Jesus. You know, why God? Well, number three is he's the only true source of truth. Now, there's the word true and truth in the same sentence. I don't know if that's grammatically correct. But he is the only true source of truth. So John chapter 14 and verse 6, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there's something about truth, the truth. You know, when they were going to crucify Jesus and Pilate, you know, when he was, uh, you know, the master of ceremonies, if you want to call it that, for the crucifixion of Jesus. And when he made that statement to Jesus, he said, truth, what is truth? And there's Pilate, a big person governing a, with all this response. And he goes, truth, what is truth? Because, you know, there can be people that actually excel in some areas, but they don't have truth in other areas. 
but there is one thing about the truth that Jesus is the truth and as soon as you accept Jesus in your life it's him and all the truth that comes with him that enables us to deal with every situation in life so where as before something crops up and sticks its head up and you don't know how to deal with it but now you have the truth and everything that comes with that truth and you know how to deal with that situation you know how to deal with this because he is the way the truth and the life and his truth enables us to deal with everything that comes our way and then uh, another question uh, the last one we want to say is that true purpose can only come from God so why God because number four true purpose can only come from God and you see that in John chapter 14 and verse 6 Jesus told him I'm the way the truth and the life the life really I never had a life till I found Jesus and that's when my life started and it was so drastic because my brother and I we were in business we put our business up for sale two months after we we got saved and, I, and I, I mean, I still like exercise. You know, if you're here and you're a bodybuilder, I still, you know, I like that stuff. You know, A, I used to follow Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, I still like bodybuilding and all that stuff. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, we just knew that there was something else for us. It was drastic. Purpose came, you know, purpose came. So this question remember what brings gratification satisfaction pleasure happiness fulfillment and contentment the answer is this and solomon found it out the only way to have it all is a relationship with the lord jesus christ so john chapter 4 and verse 14 just one more verse here or maybe two and then that's it but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life and notice the thing that if you want satisfied and gratified and fulfilled and contentment with purpose that's the way you'll never thirst and then one last scripture John 6 and verse 35 uh, it says Jesus said to him I am the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger he who believes in me shall never thirst and so you say, well, why are we here? Now, we wanted to lay a good foundation. We got four more weeks that we're going to talk about provision principles. But you wouldn't want to talk about material and money and all that stuff without laying the right foundation. What can it do for us? It cannot bring happiness. It cannot, it cannot bring true happiness, fulfillment, and purpose. Only He can. And so as we get this foundation laid to keep building on it, that is an important building block. And when Paul the Apostle walked on the earth, he said, I am the master builder. And he talked about building blocks and the way that he laid down doctrine. He laid it down in an orderly fashion. And so we want to make sure we have a platform built that when we talk about finances and provision and everything, it's built on the right platform. Father, we thank you so much for everyone that came today, Lord. Uh, we thank you and we acknowledge that the only way to have true happiness fulfillment all the things that people desire in life purpose it can only be through a relationship with you so we thank you heavenly father we thank you lord as today that as we're here and in this room if there would be anyone with us and they don't have jesus christ as their lord that you could speak to their hearts lord and you could let them know that as these words were spoken, as your scriptures were 
looked at and read. You took your word and you spoke to people's hearts by your Holy Spirit and you let them know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to lose. There is eternal life and not only is there eternal life in the future, but there is a life on the earth that can be filled with purpose and true joy. I thank you for letting everyone know that it would be in this room today, Lord. Thank you for speaking to their hearts, Lord. Thank you for tugging on their hearts, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Now, we're going to have a wonderful time here in a minute where we're going to pray a prayer. Before we do, I'd like to invite everyone and ask if you could please close your eyes because I think it's such a good thing when we pray to close our eyes because we can concentrate and really make sure we're praying from our heart. And as a church family, we're going to pray this prayer all together. And one reason we do that is because if you're with us and you don't know Jesus as Lord, your voice won't stick out. You'll be one of the many voices, but you'll be able to pray this prayer and accept Jesus as your Lord, and we'll do it together with you. So let's go on and do that right now. Let's pray this prayer. You can say this all together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for obeying. You came for me. You died for me. You went to hell for me. You took sin for me, and you were raised from the dead for me. Jesus, I call you Lord, and I believe God raised you from the dead. You are welcome in my heart. Thank you for loving me. You first loved me, and because of that, I can love you. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.